0: Our first uh, scripture reading is from 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4, short passage. There are a few Bibles for you to look at, you can also follow on the screen behind me. When David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was bound to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that he was wearing and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as I begin our message this morning, I sure could use your help in identifying some of these uh, famous friendships on the screen. Lone Ranger and Tonto. Lone Ranger and Tonto. <laughs> Advin Cust- that's a data reference. Charlie Brown and Linus. Batman and Robin. And you're as bad at the 8 o'clock, folks. Let's try that again. Han Solo. No, that's me before I shave. (laughs) Han Solo and Chewbacca. And I think we have two more. Woody and Buzz Lightyear from the Disney movie Toy Story. Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin. Very good. I know, you want to keep doing them. You like that, don't you? (laughs) Well, today, uh, we're going to look at one of the most famous friendships in all of the Bible. It's the friendship of David and Jonathan. It is a friendship that time and space could not erase. And just so we're clear, this is not a Facebook friendship that I'm talking about. Facebook is fine for catching up with folks, but Facebook isn't going to bring you chicken noodle soup when you're sick. This friendship of David and Jonathan is a sacrificial friendship. So I would like you to uh, join me as I continue the story from 1 Samuel, and I'll be reading from 1 Samuel chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. Again, you can follow along in the Pew Bibles or on the screen. Saul spoke with his son Jonathan and with all the servants about killing David. But Saul's son Jonathan took great delight in David. Jonathan told David, my father Saul is trying to kill you. Therefore, be on guard tomorrow morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak to my father about you. If I learn anything, I will tell you. Jonathan spoke well of David to his father Saul, saying to him, the king should not sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you and because his deeds have been of good service to you. For he took his life in his hand when he attacked the Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great victory for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against an innocent person by killing David without cause? Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan. Saul swore as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. So Jonathan called David and related all these things to him. Jonathan then brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as before. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. God, as we quiet our hearts in these moments, We pray that you would open our minds to receive that which we most need to hear from you so that we might see thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, and follow thee more nearly day by day by day. Through Jesus Christ we pray, amen. Well, at first glance, uh, David and Jonathan really have no business being friends. They haven't spent a whole lot of time together. They really don't have too much in common and they come from incredibly uh, different backgrounds. Uh, Prince Jonathan, the son of King Saul, grew up on the right side of the tracks. He got the best education that money could buy and he enjoyed all of the blessings and privileges of royalty. David, on the other hand, was educated in the wilderness, surrounded by a bunch of sheep and with seven older brothers. Yes, friends, this is a friendship that only God could have created. Now, some of you may have the idea that Jonathan was sort of a second banana to David, sort of like a Robin to David's Batman, but consider this for just a moment. Jonathan was rather influential in molding David into who he was. It was Jonathan who taught that young shepherd boy how to shoot a bow and arrow. It was Jonathan who was his second in command of the armies of Israel. In fact, there's actually a story in the Bible that rivals the heroism that David showed against Goliath, and it involves Jonathan. The Philistines controlled the strategic heights of Gilgal, And so outgunned were the armies of Israel that most of them ran away and hid in caves as the armies of Israel shrank from 3,000 men to 600 men. And of course, the question on everyone's mind is, who's going to do something about it? You know, when a team loses a key player to an injury, the question seems to be, who is going to step forward? It's always easy to say, well, next man up, but who is this going to be? One day, the armies of Israel look up and they find Jonathan climbing up a sheer cliff all by himself except with his armor bearer and he is heading right into the Philistine camp. And once he arrived there, Jonathan carries out this Rambo-like rampage single-handedly against the Philistines so that by the end of the day, he stood alone on top of that hill and around him were 20 Philistines lying dead. Only Jonathan had the courage to take on the Philistines. But then along came that giant, Goliath, and not even Jonathan had the courage to take him on. And so try to imagine, if you can, for just a moment, how Jonathan must have felt that day as he watched this young boy in a shepherd's tunic run right at that giant and take him out with a single stone. I imagine Jonathan must have sat there and thought I'm good. I know I'm good. But that kid is out of this world. And I love how the King James version of the Bible translates 1 Samuel chapter 18 verse 1. In that moment it says, "Jonathan's heart was knit with the soul of David." We all need people in our lives with whom our soul is knit. Someone who when we get together with them, no matter how long we may have been apart from them, you can practically pick up right where you left off. There is this this gap in our hearts. There's this vacancy in our souls. There's this void. There's this emptiness that sends us off in search for people who can become our confidants, our comrades in arms, our soulmates, our buddies, our amigos, our partners in crime. In other words, our friends. Jonathan's and David's friendship was real and deep. In fact, we read in verse four, Jonathan stripped himself of the robe he was wearing and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. So picture this in your mind. You have the prince of Israel standing there shivering in his underwear as he drapes his robe over a young shepherd boy. And we kind of get a foreshadowing of things to come. But that's the kind of friend that Jonathan was. He would literally give you the shirt off his back. Remember that old uh, Joe Cocker song, I get by with a little help from my friends. Well, as often as the case, I bet you have this this as well, Every friendship gets tested because no sooner does the David Jonathan friendship take off than the David Saul relationship begins to crumble. Because one day Saul is coming back to his palace and he hears a crowd of women singing a song that is just music to his ears. They were singing, Saul has killed his thousands. And Saul thought, Wow, what a great song that is! I'm going to make sure I add that to my playlist on Pandora. But then They got to the chorus, and David has killed his tens of thousands. That so infuriated Saul that he grabbed the spear and he tried to turn David into a human dartboard, not once, but twice. So now we have a great test of this friendship. Jonathan has to answer the question, will I side with my father, the king, Saul, or with my friend, David? Which is it going to be? Now, his father sort of uh, cast a die by saying, hey, Jonathan, you're a fool, because as long as the son of Jesse lives on earth, neither you nor your kingdom is ever going to be safe. And yet it says, you heard me read it, Jonathan spoke well of David. And so Jonathan was able to walk this tightrope between father and friend, because, because Jonathan's ultimate loyalty was to God. There have probably been times in our life when we felt like we were between a rock and a hard place. If I'm, if I'm friends with this person, oh, then these people are going to be upset. And if I'm friends with this person, then these people are going to be mad at me. If people only were able to recognize that their ultimate loyalty is to God, then I think the choice would become pretty clear. And it was God who guided Jonathan through that minefield of loyalty. Now, there's a phrase that that keeps finding its way into David's and Jonathan's conversations with each other. They're always saying things to each other like, the Lord between you and me. The Lord watch between you and me. The Lord judge between you and me. You see, the key to their friendship was that the Lord was between both David and Jonathan. Well, after a while, David got depressed. And the reason was the manhunt by Saul was just taking its toll on him. And and David shares this in many of his psalms, what we call psalms of lament, as he became very discouraged. And it was then, as only a friend can be, as only a friend can do, that Jonathan left the palace at the risk of his own life, and he went out into the wilderness, and there he rendezvoused with David. And it says rather poetically, and Jonathan strengthened David's hand in God. Now, I want you to think for a moment. Do you have friends in your life who strengthen your hand in God? I have a couple in my life for which I'm thankful but one is John Minahan, who you're gonna see on the screen. John, and we have fun together. Uh, John uh, pastors the Christ Presbyterian Church in Huntington, West Virginia. I just preached at his church right at the end of uh, April, just last month. And uh, you may remember that John came here and preached my installation service shortly after I arrived in October of 2017. In fact, he was back last year on, I think, was March 15th, which was the last Sunday before things sort of went haywire and we couldn't worship in person anymore, and then we were outside, and I and, uh, can't believe that's over a year. Hopefully, John will be back with us in August. But John has been a friend from all the way back to 1990 in our, in our Princeton days. And I've, I've leaned on him for support, And I've learned from him as a pastor in so many ways. We find strength in the hand of our friends. And the strength that that David experienced in the hand of Jonathan ultimately came from God. Because what happens next is truly the testimony of a friend. Jonathan sacrificed himself for David. By all rights, Jonathan should have been the king of Israel, but he stepped out of the spotlight and he said, David, it's all yours, and then he led the cheers, And David ascended to the throne, and he became the greatest king in Israel's history, in part because of the loyalty and faithfulness of Jonathan. And Jonathan paid the price. The original plan was for David to be the king and for Jonathan to be prime minister. But Jonathan, with his father Saul, were killed in the battle at Mount Gilboa. And later on, in 2 Samuel, David mourns the death of Jonathan by crying out, I grieve for you, my brother Jonathan. You were very dear to me. Your love to me was wonderful, even more wonderful than the love of women. David never had another friend like Jonathan. I don't know, maybe you only get one Jonathan in your life. David's mission became to try to find another Jonathan in his life, but he never did. In fact, all his other, quote, friends betrayed him. His generals betrayed him, even his own children betrayed him. So if you've got a Jonathan in your life, treasure that person, value that person, and be sure to thank God for that person. Thank God for that friend who stayed up with you all night long when you were sick. Thank God for that special friend who stood beside you when you were hurting inside. Thank God for that friend who gave you 50 bucks when you were flat broke. Thank God for that friend who stuck up for you when you were unable to do it for yourself. It's this selfless, sacrificial, patient understanding that our friends show us. And it's biblical because it reflects the way God feels about you and me. In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says that we are to give every bit of ourselves to God. He writes this in chapter 12, verse 1. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Well... Tomorrow is Memorial Day and Memorial Day reminds us of our cherished freedoms that continued to be defended at this very moment in which we're worshiping. And the fact that they were purchased at a great cost by those servicemen and women who gave their lives to preserve and protect this great nation. Now, historians suggest that we may have lost World War II if it weren't for 83 young men who in five minutes time, changed the course of history. On June 4th, 1942, near the island of Midway, the Japanese Navy was bringing in this massive armada of ships to destroy the American Navy in the South Pacific. Now the Americans desperately attempted a sneak attack at dawn with three squadrons of torpedo planes that were to lift uh, lift off from aircraft carriers in, in, in the morning. Now, three types of planes participated in in, in Navy air fights in World War II. There were torpedo planes, there were dive bombers, and there were fighter planes. And in this coordinated attack, dive bombers would come and fly from directly overhead, escorted by fighter planes. And this allowed the torpedo planes, which were much slower and much more vulnerable, to come skimming across the water. Well, on this particular morning, Logistical problems on board the decks of those aircraft carriers did not allow the fighter planes or the dive bombers to join the uh, the torpedo planes that were already circling there. And those torpedo planes circled, and they circled, and they circled, and they they were burning fuel for over an hour. And they were afraid that they were not going to have enough fuel to make it to their destination if they waited any longer. And so those torpedo planes, those pilots, flew unescorted to attack the Japanese Navy. And when those torpedo planes arrived at their intended target, there were no dive bombers or fighter planes anywhere to be found. And the pilots of those slow and rather vulnerable uh, torpedo planes were keenly aware of what was at stake in this battle. And yet, and yet they flew unescorted right into the teeth of Japanese fire, knowing full well that they were going to die. And they did. One by one, they were picked off by what was called Japanese Zeros. And those torpedo planes exploded in the air and then they spiraled into the sea to the cheers amidst the Japanese deckhands. And not one torpedo touched a Japanese ship. Well, after the last of the torpedo planes fell into the ocean, At last, the dive bombers and the uh, fighter planes arrived on the scene. And to their surprise, they saw no Japanese uh, gunfire or artillery aiming up at them because they were already preoccupied and concerned, looking for more torpedo planes at the water level. And so those American planes swooped down from the sky and they obliterated the Japanese Navy in five minutes in what's called the Battle of Midway. It was a battle that by all accounts, the United States should not have won. But we did because 69 of 83 young men gave up their lives. So tomorrow, while we're enjoying barbecuing on the grill or cleaning out our garage or playing 18 holes of golf, let's remember that this enjoyment was one not by cautious, timid, play-it-safe kind of people, but those who gave their all with reckless abandon. Sometimes I will hear people say, you know, I don't understand why Jesus had to die in order to make me free. Well, if you think about it, the answer to that should be most obvious on this Memorial Day weekend. Because if our political freedoms were won only through the shedding of the blood of our military service people, then why should it seem so strange to us that our spiritual freedom would be won through the atoning death of God's Son? He paid it all for you and for me. For all that Jesus Christ has done for us, let's give our all for him today. Let's give him a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. Jesus loved us so much that he went to the cross for us. And even if you had been the only person on planet Earth, Jesus would have died for you anyway. In Jesus Christ, we have a Jonathan whose soul is knit to ours, who clothes us in his righteousness and who strengthens our hand in trials and difficulties. How? As our friend. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for Jonathan, this kind of representative Christ figure that comes to us in the Old Testament and who, as a foreshadowing of Jesus, gave everything for his friend David. Make us as well to be Jonathans, people who are true and loyal and willing to make sacrifices. Open us up to to new depths and even stronger bonds and lead us out into hazardous duty, kind of as little platoons of service for your kingdom. God, you have said to us that I call you friends And so give us the courage to walk with you and trust that you have a Jonathan for us that will love and help and support and speak to us, especially when we really need it. Most of all, be our friend and befriend us now, Lord Jesus, as we pray in your holy name, amen.